This is Life with Catherine, sharing stories from my heart with a smile. And I'll even sing once in a while. Together, we'll learn more about the people who inspire me. Come along, pond. All right, so this is Life with Catherine, episode 41. I'd like to welcome Matt Paxton to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, sometimes you come across people in your life. You don't necessarily know them, but in the reality we live in, podcasts and TV shows and things really give us the chance to feel like we know people. Uh, so I came across Matt quite a few years ago. I don't know, somewhere like probably on the Rogan podcast or something I was listening one of those <laughs> somebody's yeah. I don't even remember and something clicked when I was listening about uh, people because I have a real interest in people and psychology though I'm not trained I have a really a real interest in finding out about skills people have and respecting them and learning from them when it comes to business psychology and just humanity and all that seemed to click when I was listening to what you do in your life Thank you. It sounds like a compliment. It, was, <laughs> it is. It probably, it probably was Rogan. Um, he, it's pretty hard to hide from your reality on a Joe Rogan podcast. This is a three-hour thing. That's true. You're usually, like, drunk or high in the middle of it, and then you come back down to sobriety. And, like, he's actually a master interviewer. Like, you really, uh, he gets you, he knows how to get you up and down, and he knows how to get the real, you know, the real you out of you. He and, really does. Um, so I would say it's great if you're if you're, if you're brutally honest with yourself, and it's an awesome podcast. But uh, uh, if, if you're if you're full of it, it's a, it's a tough one to do. <laughs> he will he will expose you. Oh man, he'll destroy you. I mean, and, but, it's, and if you're a viewer, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing to watch. And you know what? No disrespect intended from him either. It's just about oh, no. being no. honest about who you are yeah. and and finding out about people. So yeah, yeah, he he, he respects honesty. I mean, yeah, that he likes, you know, that's what he did. Oh, yeah. And creativity. Anyway, so that's where I believe it all started. And then I started listening to Matt's podcast. And by the way, your commercials were always funny. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That, that deck swizzle every, every time I laughed. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, humanity behind it, what you have to do. So why don't you, um, a, a lot of my listeners aren't going to necessarily be aware of everything you do. So why don't you talk about, what was interesting to me when you talked on your podcast was about how when you were young, you started in business from a very young age. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've been an entrepreneur really my whole life. Um, I used to sell lollipops on the bus. I would get, uh, my parents were divorced. And so I would go to the inner city to my dad's house, and I'd take my, my suburb allowance, and I'd ride my bike downtown and buy all the candy that was a lot cheaper. <laughs> I'd get, I could get 10 cents a pack, so I would get, like, literally, I'd get 10 lollipops for a dollar. And then I'd go back on the bus and sell them uh, for three for a dollar in the suburbs. And so I was getting, I was making seven bucks a week off of a three dollar allowance. From creativity. Where's <laughs> money come from? And I, she didn't know I was doing that, and, and it was, uh, I mean, I had like a, I had 50 bucks in the cigar box, and she's like, where did you get $50? Because she was, thought I had stolen it. And I was like, no, I'm just getting, I, was just, I mean, that's 70% margin, like, it's hard to find that type of margin these days. It is. But I was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was great, and I always, I would sell t-shirts, like anything I could find that I could get for free, I would sell it. 
and I, I mean, I, I grew up very poor, and I think that's a really good thing. We've had no, I mean, financially poor. Uh, grew up in a great family because we had course. no money, and so you always had to hustle, and we needed we needed money, and so I think it's natural I became an entrepreneur because that that's really all I ever knew. We used to, I mean, I was on a break dance crew. We would we would sing and dance, and I would tip trying to get the money from all the people. And, I mean, whatever I could do to get money to hustle, man, we would do it, and it was, we'd split it. And one we used to we just we used to empty the fountains. We go we go downtown and just clean out all the whiskey pennies out of a fountain. We'd go buy candy and then we'd go sell it on the street. But that's like, reality. We just didn't care. Whatever the hustle was, we would do it. That was your reality too, right? Well, yeah, that's how we ate, man. I mean, we didn't have, there was no money, really. I mm-hmm. mean, so that's what we would, if we wanted anything above and beyond what we had, that, that's, we had that's how we had to do it. And you also did, uh, we're always kind of inventing things. Is that the case? Yeah, I mean, once I got out of, I went to college actually to be an economist uh, for the government in, uh, here in the States and I was, classically trained economist and actually was an economist for the Federal Reserve, which is the banking system here. Really? And, uh, yeah, I can so see I you fitting right in there. I was a Federal Reserve economist for six months and I hated it. And I didn't really work for him. And I, and I realized I just couldn't have a real job. Yeah. I wasn't good with structure and authority. And so that's really the only real job I've ever had. Uh, and uh, I started, man, I started inventing things pretty quickly. I was, uh, I mean, I, it was a five-year hiatus we will, we'll talk about later, but I mean, I was, uh, I invented a thing uh, called pre-sliced lines. It was a pre-cut lines for your Corona. I thought that was really cool. That bombed. That's integral, a, though. <laughs> yeah, it was good, though, but it bombed. I had a Bling Bling pizza, which was a a uh, little personal pan pizza that had a fake gold chain. It was basically like a like your the treat you get in a uh, in the cereal box. Yeah. But it was for college kids, and I was like, they'll be drunk. What are they gonna buy? A regular pizza? Are they gonna buy a pizza with a fake gold chain? It's gonna sound and awesome if they're high. I was like, I was like, this. I mean, the true story. I drove to the national convention in a really uh, the convenience store convention. I drove there in this really crappy car because I knew I was gonna make so much money at the convention selling Ling Ling pizza that I was gonna buy a new car in New Orleans <laughs> and drive it back. And I literally did not sell one single pizza. Really? Not a one. Not a single one. I didn't understand the drugstore system at that point. Yeah. Didn't matter what your product was. Is how could you fit into their existing ordering structure? True. And I, and I couldn't. And so, you know, an expensive business lesson, but you, you know, I learned. Every time I failed, I learned a little more. Like, okay, wait a minute. It's not always about the product. It's about how do you process the orders? How do you sell? And how do you make it easy for them to do it? And I, I still stand behind Bling Bling Pizza. I think it's a phenomenal idea, but it did, uh, it did not make me any money. And there's something so integral that part of what I talk about on my podcast is life lessons for the next generation. I have a daughter. She doesn't listen to me now, but one day she will. (laughs) And it's the idea of um, just because you're failing doesn't mean you're failing. Just because you are, uh, there has to be something you learn. And it's not about winning or losing. It's about figuring out things and learning the hard way. And I always was interested. Let's simplify that even more. You're failing if you're not failing. (laughs) That's true. You're putting yourself out there. You're risking. If you haven't failed at 40, you're boring. I have no interest in hanging out with you. <laughs> like, what are we going to talk about? It's That's perfect. True. That's true. Like, and, I, and I don't buy it, really. Yeah. I mean, or you just haven't tried it. So, yeah, I agree. Like, to me, I want I want people that have really made some pretty loud mistakes. And you you had this theory. I, I know a little more about you because I've listened to quite a bit. But um, the idea uh, always fascinated me when you talked about the idea of quitting versus strategically stopping. And that always stuck in my mind because you just can get in your head I can't quit I can't quit I'm not a quitter but the reality is sometimes you have to strategically stop 
Yeah, man, so glad you said that. I mean, like, I've had businesses where I just, you have to look at it as a spreadsheet decision, a mathematical decision, where, like, look, your debt is your debt. It is what it is. And it doesn't matter how hard you work. Sometimes it's, it's really ignorant to keep moving. And so that's not quitting. That's not giving up on your dream. That's strategically stopping to do the right thing to get you to the next goal. Uh, my mom always hated this. Like, in college, I understood the math of my grades. And I'd be like, look, it's, you know, it's finals. I've got a 62 average. Like, even if I get 100 on this test, it's not going to bring me above, you know, from a D to a, to a C. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, look, I just got to get a D on the test. And she's like, well, why wouldn't you give your best? I'm like, because it's a waste of time. I'd rather go make some money at the Pizza Hut on Friday night and, and to get a D and get the same grade that I could mathematically get. And, and my mom hated that. But I was like, it, it was my core of, hey, this is strategically stopping versus quitting. It's a different way of thinking. And creative people tend to think that way uh, all the time. Yeah, I always think of how do I do it differently. I mean, like, if, if everyone's walking one way down the street, well, I, I definitely want to turn around and go the other way. <laughs> I definitely don't fit into any box either <laughs> at all. I know when I started this podcast, uh, even a lot of people in this generation, in this day and age, a lot of people in my world don't even know what a podcast is. Yeah, my mom still doesn't really understand what I do. <laughs> she wants me to get a real job. She says that probably two or three times a year. Well, I have a real job. And I'm like, why employ about half of your friend's kids? Like, I would say that's a real, I mean, I was nominated for an Emmy. And I'm like, doesn't that count as a real job? <laughs> not from a I mom. didn't know like, that. Was that, for, was that for hoarders? Well, hoarders, yeah, for hoarders. And we lost. But oh. least, I mean, you know, it was kind of, I was like, that old saying of, well, it's just an honor to be nominated. It actually is. Um, it totally is, just to be yeah. considered for that world. We also got canceled the same year. Yeah. <laughs> so, but in perspective, we were literally, we got second in voting for uh, an Emmy, and we were canceled. That's, that is real life. That's almost poetic. That's, and that's business. That's just business. It is what it is. I could just see you in your mind going, of course, right? Yeah. Oh, I had, I had, I knew where I was gonna put the, put the Emmy on my, on my shelf. On your shelf and, and where? And, yeah, and then six months later, I was like, I don't know if I can afford this shelf because I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> and then show your kids every time they go past. <laughs> yeah, I had man, it was I had one kid at the time, and uh, we were killing it. Hoarders was top in the ratings. We were nominated for an Emmy, and then literally six months later, the show was canceled, and I had no income. Yeah. And it's uh, you know the good news is that I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and so I was like, all right, well. Here we go again. What are we going to do? When did you start and Clutter Cleaner? I started Clutter Cleaner actually two years before orders. And I got, and I was, I was cleaning a lot of houses and enjoying it. And then there was this new thing called YouTube. Nobody had really been on it yet. And a buddy of mine at a local film school was like, hey, there's this thing called YouTube. I'm going to film you in this house as you do. So, I mean, I was, I mean, I was literally cleaning houses for 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. And and it was great work to get. I was happy to have the work. And I would and he filmed it, put it on YouTube. And about six months later, I didn't think anything of it. Six months later, someone called me and said, "You want to be on a TV show?" And I did the TV show because I was just trying to get. Uh, I wouldn't have a local newspaper article written about me. <laughs> I thought that would get me more business. Strategy. Not knowing what it would do to my life mm-hmm. very quickly mm-hmm. thereafter. And the day it aired, I mean, I've told the story a lot. Like the, the day it aired, uh, I actually hadn't paid my phone bill in ninety days. And Verizon turned off my cell phone that morning. Oh. And Hoarders was going to air that night. And I didn't have the money to pay the bill. Yeah. And I called him and begged him. And I was like, look, man, do you have a, like, I'm going to be on TV. And the guy's like, whatever. And I was like, no. I was like, do you have a mom? And he's like, what do you mean? And I go, do you have a mom? 
And he goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I go, look, man, my mom has had nothing to be proud of <laughs> for a long time in my life. And I go, I'm going to be on TV tonight, and she's going to call me to tell me she's proud of me, and she's going to hear, dude, dude, dude. Oh. disconnected. I said, and I'm going to lose that chance of pride for my mom with that. Oh. And he's really quiet, and he goes, I got a mom, man. I totally understand. Oh. And he goes, here's the deal. I'm going to turn your phone on. You can receive calls, but you can't make calls out. Wow. And so he let me receive calls for two more days, and I got enough business after the after the show aired that I could pay pay them back. Oh my god, that is amazing and also kind of adorable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's the reality of where I was. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't want to tell my wife. I was married, and I didn't want yeah. my wife to know that we my cell phone had yeah. been turned off. Yeah. Or my mom. Yeah, it's it's a tricky thing. Oh man. I'm just absorbing that story. If you give me a second, wow. Yeah. Well, That's and I could. I mean, for the listeners, like I, you know, the five years I've skipped over, I worked at a casino in Las Vegas, and I was a professional gambler. Oh, I can see you being a casino guy. <laughs> yeah, I was a full-time gambler, but I've learned from a very early age. I'm happiest when I'm all in. Yeah. Like I'm not good at the slow rolling. I don't. I don't do a five-dollar hand. If I got a hundred bucks, I'm gonna put hundred bucks on the line, and I need to do that every hand. And when I lose, so be it. I'll come back and figure it out again. And I keep going. And I just, I've always been all in every minute, every night. I'm not saying everybody should do that. No, no, no. For me, that's how my brain works. Personality and, and, uh, you you know yourself. You're old enough to know yourself by now. And, uh, you know, we always roll the dice on everything. Everything's a roll of the dice anyways. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a choice. It's how you look at it. I mean, I'm... I've failed enough that I know every exactly. I mean, you clearly have some life experience. Like pretty much everything's a risk. I mean, you could die while driving down the street. Yep. But um, especially when you're riding with the girl I'm riding with right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm in uh, with one of my sales associates. And what's her name? <laughs> I had about three wrecks today. We can shout out to her. What's her name? It's Jennifer Hammer. She's one of the best in the world. She works for Legacy Navigator. Hi, one of the best in the world, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm Catherine. <laughs> She's weird in the DC traffic driving around, so she's trying to stay focused. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's fair. We yeah. really want her to yeah. be safe. So, yeah. can you tell me? Um, I was always very interested, also, in the idea of five decisions away. Yeah. The philosophy of it. Can you tell my listeners yeah. about that? Yeah, it's a great story. So it's I agree. Episode, and uh, it was in New York City, and a really sweet guy, and. Um, Really bad horse. I mean, this guy was significantly uh, sick. That's painful. And men- mentally disturbed, I would say. And just yeah. a great guy, though. But he had a, he hoarded so much in New York City that he actually had uh, a bum, like a homeless guy, living in his yard. He had so many, about five feet of scrap metal. And so this bum had created a shack in his house, in his yard, and was hiding from him. And you couldn't really see him. And uh, it was a really good situation. But one of the, one of the things I had to do to, to get his house off of a citation from the city was uh, remove the homeless guy from his shelter. And uh, the homeless guy had a, uh, he was a welder at one point and he had a, um, he had, I mean, he was interesting guy, middle of New York City, but he had a, about a five gallon bucket of poop and a uh, five gallon bucket of pee full in yeah. his, in his uh, little shack. And then he had a welding kit and we're cleaning up the shack. His name was Greg, I'll never forget him. And uh, I said, man, I gotta ask you, man. Uh, I said, we were moving the shack and he goes, hey, be careful, that welding kit. Well, that's how I make my, that's how I make my living. 
Let's him, no worries. I said, that bucket of poop, that's how I make my living. And he goes, that's a good way to look at it. And I said, yeah. yeah. And I said, Greg, I got to ask you, man, how'd you end up here? And he goes, well, I was a stockbroker. And this girl broke my heart. And I was like, that's it? That simple? I go, girl, broke your heart? And he goes, well, I got addicted to crack as well. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And I look at the camera and I go, you know what? I go, it's pretty simple. We're all four or five decisions away from pooping in a bucket. And I really believe that. I mean, it, it, it was meant to just be a funny little thing. But as I've grown, and it really hit with the viewers, and it, and it ended up being my website for a long time, five yeah. decisions away. But when you really, and that's the name of my podcast, but when you really, really look at it, I mean, most of the people I've helped in my career, my, my, I've, I've been very blessed to have a, a career of 10 years just helping people that are really down and out. Yeah. And no matter it be my new business, uh, like Navigator, or my old business, Clutter Cleaner and Hoarders, I get to go in and help people that are lost and really, really need uh, some help. And so I'm, I'm blessed about everyone I've come in contact with. Man, it's, it's three or four major life decisions. That's it. And if something had gone the other way, their life would be totally different. Yeah. And, and so it does, it does attach to my belief and compassion. Like, I, I always take it further. Like, I, if I interview now and say there's some homeless dude sitting next to me, well, there's three or four things that went different in his life. Now, they're significant. They're extremely significant. Yes. It might be where he was born. It might be the income he was brought into. Uh, it might be the color of his skin. You don't know, but there's three or four things in their life that yeah. changed. Right? Um, I also stand to believe that we all are going to have challenges. They're just, their three or four things haven't happened yet. Yeah. And, you know, and then it's really with your age and wisdom and how do you adapt to that. And the people you surround yourself with. Luckily exactly. enough, who are your friends, who's yeah. your, who your partner, faith, family, and friends, the three F's, we push that a lot in the morning. Doesn't matter how crazy and messy the house is, who is your community when we leave? Family, faith, and friends. If you got the three F's, you'll be successful. If you don't, it's going to be really hard. Yeah. And you can say that with any addiction, surviving any addiction, drugs, alcohol, whatever. If you don't have that three F's, it's not going to get any better. And then I was thinking about what was, what, What's the thing that um, connected me, not to you, I'm not connected to you, but the idea, I was like, what is it? And you know what, I thought about it, and I think it's that my dad was a plumber for his whole career. And so all that kind of stuff of cleaning houses and sewage and all those things never really bothered me. And I think that was kind of a wall that went down. I was like, I was trying to think about what it was. And then the psychology of people, too. But I was like, of course, that would be what it is. My dad was a plumber. <laughs> well, and I would probably argue he worked hard. Oh, for sure. He raised his family. Yeah, he raised four daughters. And my mom was a teacher. And uh, he had his own business and his own people that he ran. And he ran it out of our kitchen. And then mm -hmm. eventually, when we were teenagers, he had an office downstairs. So his staff would come in in the morning when we were eating our breakfast, and they would connect with us. We were never, his business was never separated from us. I mean, in the house, his home office was there. So his people in the morning would come in and have coffee while we were having breakfast. And we were always very connected to everyone he worked with. It was really a I cool. I can tell you the exact same story with my dad. My dad ran an advertising agency. Yeah. When, time, when times were good, he had a big office downtown. He had 100 employees. When times were bad, he worked out of his basement, and he had one or two employees or no employees. But I was always involved with all of his partners. I was always involved. I'd go to the bar on Friday nights with him <laughs> and his employees. I mean, whatever it was, we were part of it. Yeah. And so, I mean, no wonder I'm an entrepreneur. Like, and no wonder I have ups and downs, because it's what I know. Yeah. 
I mean, I remember like trying to sell my dad's car with him because he had to make rent. Yeah. You know, and then and then turn around and buy it back. And buy it back. Yeah, I saw that multiple times. I mean, that's just what I knew. Yeah. And I, I mean, just that's not strange. And it's very different from the world I grew up in, and that's why it's so interesting listening. It's like I love the idea of stepping into people's worlds very respectfully, not just taking from them, but going into and hearing like this whole picture of this is what I experienced and what I learned, and I just think people, everybody in the world is fascinating. And I could just talk to everybody. <laughs> well, that's the coolest thing about my job. Yeah. Is I get to do that every week. Yeah. I mean... Now I clean uh, estates, and so I do a lot of horse still, but I do a lot of estates, so I go into a family after someone's passed away, and we help them go through all their paperwork, mm -hmm. we go through all the contents, we help them sell the items, figure out what to keep, what to sell, what to donate, and we do all of that. So we spend sometimes 30, sometimes 45 days with a family, and we really get to know this family at yeah. a very deep level. As people. And I, it, it, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Is that what Navigator is? Yeah, that's what Legacy Navigator is. We're a full-service concierge company for families uh, who have lost a loved one or are in transition. Oh. And so I did it because when my dad died, nobody knew what to do. No one told me what to do. Yeah. I had no idea. And it was very frustrating because I'd be like, well, what lawyer do I call? What do I do here? What do I do there? And nobody told me anything. And, uh, and I just really, really needed guide, you know, guidance. Yeah. And a help. And it was never existed. And so when I saw, you know, hoarders, uh, my phone rang constantly on the hoarding world, but I noticed a lot of my hoards started turning into estates. They'd say, well, look, mom died. She's a hoarder. Yeah. What do I do? And then I kept having to work with lawyers and attorneys and paralegals and finding all these things we had to do. And it was like, geez, wait a minute. I should probably start, like, doing a more full service part yeah. of this. That's analyzing what is coming in, not just sticking to your framework of this is what I do, but literally sitting down on a spreadsheet, analyzing, hey, or even just being paying attention to your life, noticing where the business is coming from. Because you yeah, could have you know, completely like, so dismissed I like it. To be 10 years ahead on the demographics. Like, okay, wait a minute. How many people are going to, like, everyone talked about the baby boomers and how everybody was turning 65. That's great. But then I'm like, all right, let's, from a business perspective, what's up with their parents? Yeah. Like, all of them have two parents, so that's a ton of parents. What's happening in their life? And then you start to really look at the age grouping. You know, there's only 20 years difference in those two generations. Like, <laughs> I didn't have my kids till I was 35. Yes. Well, my mom had me at 20. Wow. Right? And so you've got, and, and especially down south in the states where I live, you've got two generations that are getting ready to transition. And let me be really blunt, you've got two generations that are getting ready to die in the next 20 years. Yeah. And because they all came back from the war. And so you had two wars that are still alive. And so it just, when I started looking, I said, wait a minute, there's a ton of people dying and no one's talking about them. And yeah. so I really started to look at that. I mean, my, one of my core beliefs, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening, um, the day you start your business, you need to be focusing on well, what's plan B. What yeah. am I going to do when it shuts down? Yeah. And I'm, sorry, I'm saying day one, you need to be figuring out what's next. What, what happens when I, when I shut down? And so, I mean, I actually thought about this idea for eight years before I pulled the trigger on it. Hmm. And, and then the TV took off, and then speeches took off, and podcasts took off, and a whole lot of other stuff took off. But I, this is the one I wanted to do because it's, it's at the core of what I believe. I mean, my, I lost my dad, my stepdad, and both my grandfathers in one year. And that's why I got into cleaning up boarded homes. It's yeah. also why I got sober. It's why I got my life together. It's why I found my wife, my kids, everything. 
Um, so my dad dying, which would have been the worst thing to happen to most people, it would have been probably the best thing that ever happened to me. It was a catalyst to everything. Oh, I'd still be a complete, just <laughs> drunk, alcoholic gambler. Uh, sorry to chuckle. It's not funny. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, of course. Oh, no, I agree. No, it's crazy. Like, the worst thing ends up being the best thing 15 mm-hmm. years later. Oh, man. And I just had a thought, and then it left me. But, um, you know, people... Yeah, it's gone. I had a thought. <laughs> it's gone from my head. Uh, no worries. <laughs> but uh, just the idea of... I know what it was. What you're talking about has a business side to it. People are passing away. People are frustrated. People are struggling. They don't have someone to do that. There is a yep. human compassion side to it all. So what you're saying is... Gener- yeah, yeah, my generation doesn't want to yeah. do it. And they don't... The 40 and under, yeah. we don't want to deal with it. We'd it's, rather pay. It's something people don't necessarily want to talk about either, but it's like, yeah. it's a reality that has a, a need to be filled, and somebody with compassion can fill that role. It doesn't have to be someone who is just numbers. No, I had a lady, I what son on my new business, like she navigator, this guy was like, my mom's just hiring you because you're a nice guy. <laughs> and I go, yeah, exactly. Well, isn't that what you want when you're in something it's, like that? Exactly. I was like, dude, <laughs> you're underrating, you're undervaluing the compassion and the knowledge. Yes. And, and, and I think people do that. And people just forget that sometimes you just really need a, a compassionate person to listen yeah. and, and help you. And I mean, I, if grandkids did what I was encouraged to do when I was a grandkid, or made to do when I was a grandkid, I wouldn't have business. Yeah. But kids don't do that anymore. Yeah, and we don't control the world either. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm um, I'm very lucky. I mean, I, I'm I'm now going into my what fourth business at 42, and I know this is the last business I'll do. Really? I mean, I'll I'll be busy for the next 15 years. So we're at the, we're at the beginning of a very large wave of people uh, that are going to pass away and need help, and and then a second wave comes in at 10 years from now, and uh, so I mean, it's it's a very big a group of people are going to pass away and um and, 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 I, and i like to help people it's pretty cool i mean it's an addictive thing I, i've always transferred my addiction the positive thing i mean i get a check and a hug every week <laughs> like that's an awesome gig yeah i have a, a and i don't I, yeah i couldn't do anything i tried to do something else and i'm not good at it i gotta do just that and I have a boss who, I only work part-time because I spent the rest of my time, I do all things like this. And I have a boss who tells me all the time, just thank you for being who you are. Thank you for bringing heart to what you're doing. And it's not lost, you know. I enjoy hearing that every week, and I appreciate that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Oh, totally. So, I want to ask you something something that makes you happy. Some, not happy as in I bought something. But is there somebody you've met recently that just where you were like, wow, that was really interesting or positive or just something you've done? You went to the drive-in, whatever it is. We have a drive-in near us. I love it. But something that just made you feel really good. Um, this would be a random answer, but I actually went to a funeral uh, two days ago. Okay. And uh, it's a funeral for one of my employees and his, his uh, grandmother. Yes. And um, 96-year-old lady. And it was kind of weird. I didn't. I don't really know her, but I, I knew the grandson really well. We get there, and we didn't know. I'd heard that my employee was training to be a minister. Well, I didn't know he was preaching. And, really? Uh, I got to see this guy preach, and so I got to see my employee, who 
I mean, I love him, and, I, and we're good friends, but I got to see who he really is, and I've never seen that before. And say what you want about faith. I'm not trying to put any type of faith on anybody. Yeah. But I got to see someone that I care about truly do exactly what they love doing. And I saw him differently than I've ever seen him. It was I, awesome. I have goosebumps um, right now. I have goosebumps oh, on man. my skin. <laughs> oh, I cried, man. We cried. And then we told him, me and the other partner, we, we, we went over after the funeral. We said, look, man, we love you. We appreciate you. Let us be a part of this. And uh, we're going to fire you in three years if you don't become a full-time preacher. <laughs> He's like, what? And I said, no, we're serious. I said, here's your three-year warning. Three-year warning. If you don't get your stuff together to be a preacher, we're going fi- to fire you. And his... Uh, his father-in-law was like, thank you. Thank you for saying that. We totally agree. Really seeing somebody is an amazing moment. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I've been paddleboarding. I got, well, I tell you, the other, this happened this week with my son. I've got three sons. Yes. And my, my middle son is a very shy uh, guy. And we've been, we've been doing swim team. And uh, for him... Uh, he's very afraid to, to swim and a lot of things. He had never actually done a race. And uh, and, he, and this week, third week, he kept quitting, kept quitting, quit quitting. And on the second race this week, he decided to swim. Wow. And uh, seeing his voice when he got out of the water, seeing his face when he got out of the water, I mean, he was proud. And it's a five-year-old. You know, that's a new feeling for them. And some, and people, take like, time, some yeah. people take time to get to that place. Oh, yeah. It, took a while. it takes him a lot longer than most kids. Yeah. And I'll, I'll argue that actually makes it more special. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a joy to just watch. I mean, man, I love, I mean, I, I love, you're not supposed to love, just love your kids all equally. Yeah. At that moment, <laughs> I love my kids. I loved him the most for that 30 seconds, man. I mean, it was just so awesome. And he jumped up and he gave me this big hug. And it's like, oh, this is what being a dad is about. Like, the TV stuff, that doesn't matter. Like, this is what it's about. Like, I was right there with him. And, like, thank God I wasn't still at work, working late. Or on your or phone. Or on some TV show. Like, I'm so glad I was there for that. Or on your phone texting while this is happening. I've seen yeah, it. exactly. I exactly. went to, I went to my, my daughter plays the trumpet in high school. And I went to the concert. And you wouldn't believe, yeah, you would, you'd believe it. The people in front of me, the two ladies, through the whole performance, were talking and going through their cell phone, flipping through stuff. I was like, yeah. these kids, I don't care if it's your kid or not. And I don't care if you talk for two minutes. But I actually leaned over and was like, you must be joking. The idea that people were all, they're all in their own world. I'm like, I don't care if it's your kid, go outside. <laughs> like, you know, we all have to sit through everybody's. But the whole thing, they were just nattering through the whole thing. I'm like, come on, these kids are putting their heart out on the floor for the, yeah. literally the end if of your performance. Out, if they look out and see you on the phone, they show you, even if you're a stranger, they yeah. see that you're uninterested. That is, that is completely uninterested and, to me, unacceptable. I agree. Yeah. Amen on that. My God. I mean, yeah. I... We as well, I mean, one of the rules of my employees, we're not allowed to have a cell phone even on you. Really? No, you can't, because even if your phone, it just vibrates, it still tells our clients that your phone, the outside world, is more important than them. Yeah, and you know, there are some businesses where they have to, and that's fair, but I mean, you're at your kid's swim Unless you're thing. you're like a life-saving doctor, I don't think so. <laughs> True enough. It's, a cho- it's still a choice. Well, I just like, try not cool. to judge. I try not to judge everybody. <laughs> well, I do. I don't mind judging people. I think <laughs> cell phones are a little over. I'm just, I, actually, I mean, I do preach no judgment, but like, <laughs> on the cell phone thing, that's a choice. We've I'm chosen just, to, to attach ourselves to it. I'm just, glad chosen, you, like, I'm just glad you took the time to lift your head up and not have that phone, and were able, you would have missed that moment. Oh, totally. Well, 
Well, and that's why I left. I left orders. I mean, I was just like, all right, I got to get home. Like I've been gone for five years. Yeah. Like, I got to get home and be with my kids. And then, and when I made the decision, ended up the show was pretty much winding. I mean, TV's just cable TV is changing. Yes, it is. Done. Pretty much in general, it's done. And um, I mean, I can reach more people myself on Facebook. Yeah. Than I than I can on A and E. Yeah. Cable. And doing doing cool podcasts like this. Yeah, just connecting and. Well, think about it. You saw me on TV, or you heard me on Joe Rogan. Most people heard me on Howard Stern. That got me on Joe Rogan. They heard me on Joe Rogan. They started listening to my podcast. Might have seen me on TV. Yeah. And now they hear from me every day on on Facebook. Or they and just, now you've got people yeah. here listening to you that have never heard me before, and they're yeah. going to go through the whole cycle again. And it's planting a seed in their mind. Like I'm not really a TV person. I'm more auditory. Yeah. I like to listen to things. So I'll listen even if I'm watching YouTube. I just listen. I never. I'm like, why did you bother filming everything? <laughs> like I just want to listen. <laughs> my husband's yeah. like, they made this movie, and there's all these special effects, and you're just listening to it. And that I understand myself, and yeah, so yeah, it, it, technology is changing the way we communicate, anyway. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's funny you said like how you're connected to people. Like we had a guy, uh, a big guy that was a big fan of the TV show, yeah, Orders, and then he created a bunch of fan pages for Orders. Did he? And you know, I became yeah, he you know, I became friends. <laughs> and uh, his name was Lars Kelto. And uh, when I was up in Michigan, we went out to dinner, and we became really good friends online, and in person and then he died the other day really and yeah very suddenly like totally suddenly and but like this was a guy that was my buddy and my wife's like well how many times have you met him and i was like um in real life about about an hour 15. yeah <laughs> and i was like but in the world oh my god hours that is day. so me uh, the minute i meet yeah. someone i just go like literally i i call everyone i meet my favorite <laughs> I just go like because when I meet people I'm really focused and I'm listening to them and talking to them and I'll remember their name I'll remember their face and people go how did you remember me you only met me once like do you think you're forgettable <laughs> like, but I have this thing where I really want when I'm talking to someone that's also why I created my podcast because I was tired of just having short conversations with people hi how was the weather did you watch the hockey game I'm like I want to know things about you. I want to be able to have a connection and as just as a person, as a human, that's what I need from people. So this is, yeah, this is something I love about podcasts. Most people think the podcasts are for the listeners. They're not. They're for the individual host. Yeah. That's why there's so many of them. Yeah. This is therapy for me. I do my podcast because I need to get stuff out of my head. Yeah. It doesn't count unless I get it out there. I hope you as a listener enjoy it. But that ain't why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I gotta get out. I'm curious and I gotta get out of my head. Yeah. And I'm just I, lucky that people enjoy what I'm saying. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, people listen to this? Yes, they do. <laughs> and just, yeah, I, I like people. I just like people so much, and I think they don't always have a chance or know how to communicate who they are. Uh, yeah, I found out that, especially on podcasts, there's more people actually listening than you realize. Yes. I don't mean by the, I don't mean by the numbers. I mean actively listening. Actively. But like... I mean, you just repeated a story, man, that happened to me six years ago with five decisions away. Yeah. And I did speak to him the other day, ironically. But, I mean, like, that's a small moment in time. But podcasts have allowed those small moments of time to stay going. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that. And I, I probably get more requests from my podcast than I do from my TV show now. Really? 
psychology too <laughs> yeah well I just think life experience yeah that's true also. oh I I have one other question okay and we can wrap it up I have never been to Virginia I don't travel a ton what is it like to live there what is it like I live in Vancouver so spoiler alert there's a lot of rain oh, man <laughs> there's a lot of rain <laughs> if you lived in Vancouver I would say don't leave <laughs> oh yeah it's beautiful um, in the summer you should see today yeah. seriously <laughs> we are crazy hot uh, it's 100 degrees so I don't know what that is and uh, are, y'all, are y'all on a different uh, what y'all use up there I don't, yeah, even, know. I don't even remember <laughs> yeah we're 100 so that's like 66 or whatever I mean it's yeah. Right. oh yeah we're, we're um yeah it'll be what 26 27 probably 30 something like that yeah so it's 91 right now today yeah. it's oh. super hot it'll be hot the rest of the summer uh, it's old school, like what you would think about the South, like cotton fields and, and uh, big tobacco plants everywhere and uh, big statues for the Civil War. I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a part of the country that uh, still lives 100 years in the past, but then you slam right down the middle of it, you have very progressive art schools. I mean, basically you're putting Quebec right, in the, right on top of that. Yeah. And so I guess, actually, you could, you could argue it's a green Quebec, really, like, you know, a, a, a mashup of modern and old. And in a weird way, you know, and so like you have like, I mean, we have massive 
um, art schools and massive restaurants and breweries and I mean every person in the damn city is covered in tattoos but then at the same time you've got 200 year old statues and heritage and I mean a lot of different things so it's, it's a different it's a um, economies are changing yeah we've you know we've gone from an agricultural society down here to a to a technology uh, and it's pretty cool it's an amazing I mean it's super cheap like unbelievably affordable really other than work yeah I mean oh my god I mean my we lived in Washington D.C. and we couldn't even afford a, a home. Yeah. And uh, we moved to Virginia, and we not only could buy a home, but my wife didn't have to go back to work. She was able to stay home and raise kids. And so it gives you a lot of choices. But it's, it's a big river. Uh, we we paddleboard a lot, whitewater rafting. I mean, it's a very active outdoor. Uh, I love Virginia. It's very diverse. You can have you could ski and swim in the same day. We've got mountains, uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains and the Appalachian Mountains, and. Uh, at Shenandoah Valley, Shenandoah uh, Valley, and then you literally could be at Virginia Beach uh, in what three and hours from that. That sounds amazing. Very diverse. If you're gonna come, if you're coming from around the world, come in the fall. Come in October. It's the most beautiful palette of uh, leaves that you will ever see. Oh, that sounds amazing. Mind yeah, you, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm very, I'm very pro. Uh, I've tra- I traveled. Uh, well, gosh, I've, I've traveled the U.S. a ton and a, and a little bit uh, north and south, but I. Um, I really love, I'm lucky to, you know, come back to the town I grew up in and, and settle back again to raise my kids. Yeah. And, and actually want to, not do it because I had to. God, our kids, they are everything. They're everything. I only have one, but she's everything. And independently her own everything. I, she's her own person, but man, just being part of her life, it's the coolest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I mean, it's so cheesy, but it's totally true. I mean, yeah. like... I've kind of hit that point where it's like, all right, well, like, so what? You know, your bio is really cool, but so what, man? If you're not being a good dad, it doesn't really matter. And so, like, that's where I'm kind of at in my life right now. It's like, all right, I got to help people. I got to teach my kids to help people. And, uh, in fact, at this funeral, and I'll end with this, man, that funeral, yeah, I, I told you about, uh, there was this it's an old, old, old southern, I mean, the church itself, like, 150 years old. And there's, you know, this family, I think, had, like, seven generations in this church. And one of the pastors sang up and sang this old, old, old Southern gospel song. It was for this old lady that passed. And, and the, the words were, uh, well, the work I've done, let, let the work I've done speak for me. And, and the song just keeps going back, let the work I've done speak Speaks for me. me. And it's an old gospel song about, you know, and, and, and in context, it's about, you know, what have you given to the, to the Lord? What have you done in your service for your people? Um, for me, I just, I mean, as an entrepreneur, of course, I'm very selfish, and I'm like, yes, I want to work hard enough that this song is, is accurate for my funeral. That applies and to I me. I worked hard enough at work and at home that I don't got to say nothing at all. I mean, there was not even a sermon. They just sang that song because everybody in that church, 500 people, they all knew that woman lived her entire life, 96 years, and ain't nobody got to stand up and try to say she was great. Everyone knew it. Everyone knew and it. So that, everyone knew it. And so the song was awesome because it was like, Man, we ain't got to say nothing. She she said it herself, and her actions over the last ninety six years did it. And uh, and you could go back to all the stories I've told you over the last hour. That's where I'm at right now. Am I? Could I just like pass away and not have to say nothing? Not have because to say y'all know, y'all know I did it. Like I hope, I hope that's what I do. And obviously, I work with a lot of grief situations, so that you know, uh, funerals have become a large part of my life. But but I hope I do live a life where it just. It's, it's understood. That guy worked hard. He was a good person. You know, I'm 
no joke, I'm tearing up at this moment. That is like just no, picturing that story of that funeral and that woman and that moment. I just had to pause for a second and literally picture it, and it's like amazing. Oh. I mean, I just talked for an hour straight. I didn't say a single word for three hours after that funeral. Yeah. And I'm a talker. It, <laughs> yes, you are. It rocked me. It rocked me. And I was like, man, I hope I'm that good a person. Yeah. And you know and, what? And no yeah. wonder she lived in 96. It'll take me another 50 years to get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what we can all wish for. But Hopefully, we have to. Yeah, God willing. I mean, yeah. But we have to put in the work. I don't need to get all spiritual. I, <laughs> I mean, like, it, my beliefs and my theories are, are is what drive me both as a person and an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, uh, and if you dig what, I, what I've been saying, yeah. go out and hustle, do something. Just do something and do it well. We can all strive to be ourselves, uh, the best version of ourselves. And I know I'm a cheesy person, okay? <laughs> but, like, we can all strive to be that. And part of doing this podcast is to, like, literally grab onto certain ideas and go, oh, I can learn from that. I can be better. I can take this from that, this from this person. And we are a palette of everyone we've ever met and interacted with. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not everyone. Some people get cast yeah. aside. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'll tell you, the best best boss I ever had was a horrible person. What? Sorry. He taught, he taught me, go ahead. My phone just fell off the counter. Uh, so he is the best boss. My, uh, my best boss ever uh, was a horrible business person. He taught me what not to do. Ah, true enough. And I think I, I probably learned the most from him. Amazing. All right. Thank you very much for your time. No, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate you calling and, and putting I, me in. I did, and I appreciate what I've been able to take from you over time and now in this conversation. I really appreciate what you're contributing to the world, and uh, I wish for the... If I have 10 minutes left, then I wish you get 10 extra minutes with your kids. Thank you. Well, I'm actually driving home right <laughs> oh, now. Okay. Headed home to Taekwondo practice. But I, <laughs> Super I good. To you, to you and your listeners... Thank you. Right back to you. Thank you for spending time. Yeah, and I will send you the link and put it up there. And I wish you every amazing thing in your life. And a couple hardships. Thank you. A couple hardships, too. When you post it, let me know and I'll tag it onto mine. I will. I wish you a few hardships, too, because that's what how we grow. But mostly amazing happiness. I'm good for a while. I hope I, I hope I got. I'm just good for a while, and then we'll get back into hard. Okay, <laughs> then I wish yeah. you only happiness. <laughs> yeah, my twenties were heavy. So. <laughs> That's true. Right, well, thank you. I really appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Matt. All right. Talk bye. To Say soon. hi to Jennifer. Right. Bye. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Thanks again to Matt for being on the show. It was a real treat to get to connect with someone that has been kind of a little piece of uh, everyday life through his podcast, through different things that I've been listening to over time. And uh, it was really fun to get to connect and talk about the stories that permeated with me and uh, certain questions that have come up when, as a listener of his work, uh, the things that he's doing. And it was really fun. And I'm so grateful. Thank you, Matt. And uh, I wish... All of you, my listeners, amazing success and happiness and to really find what you're looking for and your own voice and I wish you everything.